Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Dave. And we're the hosts of the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, where we bring you stories that delve into the science and spirit behind intriguing people doing extraordinary things. Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, episode 20. This week, we're going to bring to you one of the rising stars in the ultramarathon ultra running world. And this past weekend, he showed his stripes, uh, running the Sweden's Big Dogs Backyard Ultra and winning it in 55 yards, 55 laps. Uh, his name is Toby Ulebring. He's going to pronounce me. He's going to tell me that it, that it's that it's, it's it's pronounced differently. But but uh, Toby and I ended up running a lot last year at Big Dogs Backyard Ultra down in Tennessee. I think he was the runner that I ran the most with on the course. He and Anna, both from Sweden, and I knew something that a lot of the world didn't know uh, going into this race was that Toby is a rock star. Um, he has a tremendous ceiling, and I don't think that his 55 winning loops this past weekend even comes close to the abilities that this guy has. I think that big. I think that the backyard race will one day go over 100, and I think Toby's going to do it. I think he'll be the first first human to do it. And so, uh, yeah, after Big Dog's backyard ultra last year in Tennessee, Toby ended up going out and running his first 24-hour race, and he ran 246.246 kilometers. 24 hours, which is just incredible. Um, not really knowing what exactly pacing and, and structure that, that should be. He did incredibly well and showed up this year and in Sweden just last week and ended up beating Anna Carlson uh, to win the Sweden's Big Dogs Backyard Ultra. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And I'm blushing. So it's, uh, it's good that we don't have video on this thing, I suppose. <laughs> I'm looking like a tomato. Uh, thank well, you, Dave. You did just run a long ways. How are you feeling? <laughs> well, <clears throat> legs are a bit sore. I got a knee that is kind of grumpy with me, but we've been through way worse and we haven't divorced yet. So I think that's gonna, it's going to be okay. I'm, I'm trying to be sensible about things currently, uh, but legs are saying we should go for a run. I don't know if that's the smartest thing to that's do. That's a good but... sign. <laughs> yeah, well, sign. Maybe, maybe a mile, you know, there you could go, or one kilometer. Hey, so Toby, uh, for, for the fans listening in and the listeners, um, maybe give a little bit of context, you know, where are you, where do you live? Uh, how did you sort of find your way into ultra running? Uh, so we have a little bit of background and then we can then talk about uh, the amazing accomplishment of this past weekend. Okay, so great. So I'm currently living and working in Stockholm. Uh, I'm actually born a bit up north in Sweden. Uh, I came to ultra running mostly by mistake. Uh, I've, I've never been an athlete. I've never been running and growing up, I actually uh, learned that I had really bad knees. I inherited those from my grandpa and, and that was sort of, that was the truth that I grew up with. And sort of anytime I really tried to do anything, I, I wound up in, in a lot of pain. Uh, but for various reasons, I ran my first 10K in 27. It was one of these, everyone at my workplace were running it and I'm like, no. And then they started having uh, social runs and all of a sudden, uh, my social anxiety just kicked in. Out. I'm getting left behind. I need to do this thing. The fear of uh, so I ran out. my tank. Hmm? The fear of missing out, right? Yeah, yeah well, the, the fear of being left out in, in sense sort of, <laughs> well, they're, they're going to be socializing and talking, and, uh, and I will be the sort of grumpy person that doesn't go along with it. Uh, so I ran 10Ks. Couldn't walk for a week. I hated it. I'll, I promised to never do that ever again. Uh, so 20... 10, I ran my first marathon. And then that's what, when I thought I was done. Because if you're a non-runner and if you don't sort of, if you don't know anything about ultra, then you go sort of, okay, well, the marathon, a guy died running that. So why would you do anything more? Or if you run further than that, your legs fall off. Right. Uh, <laughs> tell me, what was your time in your first marathon? Uh, 3.43. Okay. So, uh, it's sort of it's one of these decent sort of yeah you, you sort of you're a runner if you can do a marathon sub four hours it was yeah. one of those things and that, that was sort of the accomplishment that I was after essentially mm -hmm. um, and from there on I sort of I, I switched jobs and I met up with a, 
friend from university. And when we were studying, I didn't run. I sort of, I, I drank Coke, ate pizza, studied computer science, typical geek. Uh, but he was a very accomplished runner and orienteering guy, actually. And I'm like, hey, I've started running. I've run a marathon. That's very cool. And he's like, ah, that's cute. <laughs> and then he sort of he pointed me uh, at a 100 mile run uh, close to Stockholm, so called the Tabby Extreme Challenge. And, and for various reasons, all of a sudden, we were four people. Three of us had never sort of gone anywhere close to that before. Uh, but we were four people signed up, sort of going, okay, how do we do this? We have nine months to prepare. Um, and, and in that process, I found something. And especially during that race, uh, I, I sort of, I can pinpoint when I become an ultra runner. Uh, to me, it's sort of, it's one very, very particular moment. It's, it, it's in one step on one hill on that course. And it's when I'm passing 120 Ks. And, and my goal was to do it sub 24 hours. So, and, and I know this sort of, I go up that sort of that small hill and I see the sign that's saying sort of 120 K. And I know that there's only a marathon left, which is up until that point, the longest distance I have ever ran, except for the run I'm doing. But I know I'm going to finish. Wow. Mm. And I know I'm not quick. I know that sort of, I'm not, I'm not a particularly good runner, but I can do this. I can just keep on going. And, and that's when I sort of found Ultra. That's when I found, also I find this deep calmness within myself that mm -hmm. it sort of, it really helped my mind. Sort of, I, I have this monkey brain that's always all mm -hmm. over the place. It's always doing things. But in that moment, in that, it was calm. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when I know this is the thing that I need to keep doing. Not, not for the performances, but for myself. Mm. And, and from there on it's been it's been a few ups and downs and sort of it's been a few different things but then i found the backyard not that long ago and i tend to say that the dumber the race the better i do because i'm not a particularly strong runner i'm not a great athlete i'm not strong i'm not well built i'm not sort of but i'm really good at running within my limits because I, I need to sort of accommodate my needs. I need to accommodate a busy schedule. I need to do all of these things. I need to just manage to get the most I can out of the limited resources I have. And I have a mind that works really, really well with the monotony and the sort of just, just keep on doing this thing. Just don't give up. So I tend to say, I'm not a good runner, but I'm horrible at giving up. Mm -hmm. Obviously, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's for sure, huh? Yeah, I, it's interesting. And first, um, what a great story, really, for you know every one of our listeners who does have the same thought, which is, well, I'm not like you guys. You know, I can't run as fast as that guy Dave Proctor, or as long as you know Pete Kostelnik. And you know, these guys are out of my league. It's sort of fun to hear the the journey is you know as much the importance as any of the events because. That's where the learning happens. And clearly you've, you've shown that not only is this incredible potential inside of you, but, you know, teasing it out has been part of really, I would imagine, you know, the real benefit of what you've done. Definitely so. It's, uh, to me, Ultra became a way to get to know myself and, and sort of to overcome a lot of the things that I had within me. And it's also when, when I finished that first 100 miler, I, I took so much with me into the rest of my life when you know that you can sort of you can be out there for a day and you can be in pain and it can be horrible but you can keep on going and you go into sort of your regular life sort of I, I work in an office and things get stressful and you're like yeah this is hard but it's not hard hard <laughs> when you find those levels when you sort of and I think that what's what ultra really teaches you is that there's so much more inside of you than you think that mm. that's what it has always represented for me. That sort of that pushing of the boundary, that sort of going to that limit and then realizing that, well, I thought I was standing on the limit of what I could do, but I could keep on going. That mm -hmm. just unleashes this unlimited potential within you. Mm -hmm. And you bring that into everything you do from that point on. Uh, so if anything, I would like to sort of 
see myself as an ambassador for regular people doing really spectacular things well, more than a good athlete. Well, and you know, and that being said, you know, Toby, it's, it's, it speaks volumes about, you know, our experience, you and I together last year running at, in Tennessee is, you know, we were running together. You ran the you know, 43 and I ran the 52, but we ran a lot of those laps together, um, especially daytime loops on the, cor- on, on the, on the, on the trail course. And Anna would always be running a little bit ahead, kind of prancing and giggling, you know, doing whatever she does. Um, and you and I would be running together and before I get into the story, but then at the end of every lap, you would blame me for, for, we would be going an extra two or three minutes faster. (laughs) And I blamed you because, well, we just got caught up in conversation, but really our conversation wasn't the typical conversation. I think a lot of our viewers were, would, 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 would expect that we would have on the course. It was, we talked a lot about life and love and, and the spirit of, of, of life, of, of running, of, of, of everything. Um, do you want to speak a little bit more about that? I mean, is that something that, that is a, is a common place with your running? Uh, were you and Anna running a lot together or other runners in Sweden and, and having those same conversations and the same, it was a very, very peaceful uh, place in existence um, while running with you. Is, is that something that, that's common within your practice? <clears throat> So uh, it, it happens with some people, uh, it, but, but I think that that's sort of, it, it's this bond that sort of just uh, grows on the course. And I thought, think that the highlight really of my bigs last year was running with you, Dave, because mm-hmm. the, the conversations we could have, we, we could sort of, uh, it, it, the conversation has grown to all of these really hard topics. Uh, and it was, it was deep. It was fundamentally philosophical. And it was sort of the exploration of life in this practice of also transcending your limits or sort of reaching for that potential. And I think that that's also one of the things that's very significant about all the yards me and Anna share is that uh, she, she's wonderful in so many aspects, but, but she's also a bit of a goofball. Uh, <laughs> but but that, that, it keeps it lighthearted. It, yeah, sort of, yeah. so, so we can sort of, we can run along and sort of just joke about the misery we're in. And then we're also both, both, uh, quite contemplative so we can sort of and then you can get long stretches especially during night when you sort of it's just it's just silent i i like running through the night because it's, it gives me time to think everything else is quiet you have this little bubble um but yeah i think that for me that is what the run is very much about is exploring that either sort of within myself uh, i spend most of my time running alone uh but when running with others, it is that sort of exploration of life. That's sort of why I do this. It's, uh, it, it's not religious in that sense, but it is spiritual. Uh, I, I definitely so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I guess maybe if you could touch on a little bit, build on this, because I think it's a really interesting theme. You know, when I started on my journey and, and I think Dave in his own way, you know, we had, I had this idea that there was this thing called personal fulfillment, but I don't know what that meant. Like, mm. But it, it sounded like something that I should aim for. And it gets connected a little bit with purpose. You know, why are we here and what's our purpose? And I think it takes a while to figure that out and maybe it evolves a little over time. But when, when we try to explain to others this journey, what we've found along the way, there's somewhat of a bit of resistance because one, hey, that's not me. Number two, I don't know what that means and is it really worth seeking out? And so it seems like a lot of effort. And so, hey, just going to sit on the couch and you know do my thing, which, hey, amen, that's cool if that's what people want. But if you want more, like if you want to find out that next level in life, you know, if we go up the Maslow's hierarchy, you know, from self-esteem to self-actualization, there's something that can be found here that's hard to find otherwise. You know, it's, it's in the simplicity, it's in the difficulty. I don't know, Toby, what, like, do you give people advice about the benefits of what you've found out through this suffering in a sense? I guess it's a little bit of, that's the, the method. Uh, yeah, what's your, what's your, like, do you talk about it to other people? You seem very elegant in your thinking about it. So I, I think I tend to talk about it in those terms. And I had one friend that very patiently listened to me for, for quite a while. <laughs> and then he looked me 
squirrely and I went, yeah, you could meditate for 10 minutes instead. (laughs) 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 But but I I think that what what I'm seeking is sort of that that fulfillment, that contentment, that uh, as I tend to say, sort of what's the most distinguishing mark or so what's the distinguishing thing between those that manage to finish the 100 mile challenge and those that don't is that those that finish they got to accept themselves because when you're running for a day and unless you have sort of some sort of fantastic crew that can always keep you entertained you'll be spending a lot of time within your own head Mm -hmm. and either you make friends with yourself and that's the process for me just becoming friends with myself sort of petting those demons not trying to shy them away just talking nicely to them you uh, do that or you'll break down and cry and quit because you can't handle being with yourself and of course that that, that connects to sort of once you reach that point then the next point is finding finding joy i i, I think running is joyous uh, but it's not always fun but also accomplishment comes from going through that struggle it's sort of overcoming is how we become that sort of the fight in itself is what to a, to an extent makes it worth it and that's also why i tend but why i more and more seek out these challenges that are set out to test your limits but why, why did i sort of go to run 200 miles when the first 200 mile race in sweden appeared why do i sort of find the backyard so enticing because it's there to help me explore what happens when i go further than i ever done before and toby that's that's absolutely brilliant i i you see and I, i'm i'm so glad that our audience gets to experience what i experienced last year on the course is because the spirit of ultra is is just very much alive in you. Now, a question I have for you is that: Did you come to learn all of this on your own? Like, is this all through all the trials and tribulations? Did you learn all of this on your own, or did you have some guidance along the way um, when you were younger? Uh, you know, a parent, a role model, a teacher, a coach, a uh, best friend, that somebody that really pushed you, um, made you see things differently in the world? Because the way that you see things is not the average way that people see things. And this is exactly why you just ran for 55 hours <laughs> and, you're, and you're okay. Um, is there any role models that you want to talk about? I think that I, I really didn't have that. So I didn't have a specific mentor or role model that sort of imbued me with, with that. Uh, if anything, um, I, I jokingly tend to say that I'm just uh, a potato farmer that, that sort of moved into the city. Um, I, I grew up on a small farm, uh, one that wasn't particularly successful at that. <laughs> so when I was seven, uh, we sold it, uh, moved into town, uh, and my parents uh, got an education. So, but 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 they were sort of. I have very young parents. Uh, my mom was 15, and my dad was 21 when they got me. Uh, but but they raised me in a spirit of there's potential in this and sort of hard work actually bears fruit. It's sort of it, it's a, it is a bit of a farmer ethics, I think. Uh, but it also teaches me sort of growing up with with animals and growing up close to nature. I think that sort of that shaped how I view things. That there's an ecology to things. There's there's a there's an order to it, and there's something that you need to take care of it. If you grow up with with close to animals or sort of if you have pets, you know that there's something that needs you and sort of makes you responsible. Um, so from that, I, I've always felt that my responsibility in the world to a certain extent is to try to have some sort of positive influence. And that doesn't necessarily need to mean do great things. But it, I think it does obligate me to figure out how to be the best person I can be, and sort of how, how do I support others uh, with, with whatever things I have, and how do I get, how do I find compassion for my own quirks because I have many, uh, because finding compassion for those also is what helps me appreciate and help others. So I think that sort of it's that process, and that has always been with me. I, I, I I'm always been. Uh, 
interested and sort of uh, engaged in social issues, uh, politics. Uh, I, sort of, you should never discuss religion with friends, but I, I tend to do that anyway. Uh, but only with people that I really do consider friends, because I think that it's it's a subject that uh, I'm not religious myself, but I can see what it gives people. It gives people meaning. It gives it sort of it has all of these benefits, and I can understand why they do that. And I choose a different track but we're also all striving for the same thing. I, I think that there's something greater within humanity that we're here to unleash. Um, and it doesn't really require something outside of us uh, because being a good person to those around you should just, that should be purpose enough in many instances. Uh, so so I, I just sort of come from that. Um, also, I was, I, I'm a bit of a bookworm. I just spent, more hours probably socializing with books than other children when I was young. Um, so I also got that. Um, I, I don't mind being in my own head for extended periods of time. Let's just say that. That's good. That helps with ultra running. You know, the, the intrigue is a little bit of this idea of which came first, you know, the, the person or the ultra kind of thing, right? Or did the ultra create the person? And is the path through ultra almost you know, and I think people who are, you know, masters in Tai Chi or in yoga or other disciplines can find a similar path. You know, it's not just through ultra, but it is this this constant willingness to, you know, push the system to a, a deeper level and ask questions and look for answers. And then, you know, I sort of really like this um, idea of learning to accept yourself. It, it feels a bit like... Uh, one of the elements that we're losing a lot, which is, you know, this confidence and belief in ourselves and the world is a little bit tough lately. Um, you know, one of the, this year with the pandemic, of course, it's had a big impact on the ability to go and do things with others and finding uh, challenges, you know, it was quite masterful the way this race came together uh, to have it, uh, be this microcosm in each of the locales in a broader global perspective. We had Harvey Lewis on last week and he talked about it on the front end and we get to talk to you and Dave because Dave did participate as well on the back end of this. Uh, so maybe we'll talk about the race a little bit uh, would be great. So uh, if I got it correctly, but it's close enough, there were about 25 countries. Um, there was somewhere between 10 and 15 people per team. Uh, everyone started at the same time. And as a reminder, it's 4.167 mile loops. And you do that at the top of every hour and you get a few minutes of rest and relaxation. Ha ha. Uh, when you finish your loop and you go until it's the last person standing. Uh, in this instance, it was really unique in that each of the countries had the same dynamic and then there was one globally. So there would be a winner in the country and then there would be a global winner, but be that as it may, you would be only as, can go only as far as your assist, as we were calling it, the person who would mm -hmm. be running with you. So we'll explore that a little bit as well. So you were in Sweden, maybe you could tell us a little bit about where you guys were running, how many people on the team, what was the weather like, um, and you know, how did it get going? So <clears throat> we were running uh, a course in Aldalen, so that's, pretty much in in the middle of sweden okay um, and uh, it's a course that has been used a few times before uh, so marcus uh, that sort of worked with last to, to make it happen in sweden and they've already run races on it they had, and the weather we got was uh, we, we had to so sort of there's always this these conversations about well did they have hills was it technical well sort of everyone knows that the original bigs course is the tough course there's, mm -hmm. I, I think there's there's no real question about that except we know how Me mexico that might be sort of even worse mm -hmm. uh, but the that volume course was it, it's it has some technical uh, bits uh, but it's sort of, it's not that hilly, but it has some technical bits. It's a nice mix. It's a very sort of, it goes along a river, essentially. And we got a really strong headwind almost all of the time going out from the start. And it was sort of somewhere between 
plus five, plus seven maybe, down to minus three or four degrees. So it was always cold. Uh, it was Most of the time it was windy. And uh, we actually did get hail. We didn't get any snow. If we would have went into Tuesday, we would have gotten snow. <laughs> uh, so, so that's sort of, uh, the, that's the course. Um, it was a course that was mixed and sort of really spectator friendly, which was really nice because people could actually go come out and watch us. Uh, so we had 15 runners. So we managed to put together a, a very well-rounded team. One thing that I think was really interesting about the Swedish team was that we managed to have um, the second to oldest competitor and the oldest person ever to run bigs in Lisa Almanson. So How old she's is she? 60. 60 years old. Yeah. Uh, and uh, on the low end, we had Leonora. That's, she's 24, I think. She's sort of, mm. she's a few months shy of being the youngest competitor in the race. So we had that breadth and, and we had, uh, we had 40% women on the, on the team. So we had mm. a really nicely mixed rooster and, and sort of the team spirit that was in team Sweden was magnificent. I, I sort of, I really can't think about, think of a better group of people to, to spend a weekend with and how we instantly gelled. A lot of them us had sort of shared races before, but we've always, always been in, well, you're always friendly in ultra, but in a backyard, it's also a competition. This time it was just, well, it's we against the world. Mm. Uh, and for some odd reason, backyards has been booming in Sweden for the past few years. We had our first backyard race 2015, 2016, and sort of we had a handful of them. Uh, 18, 19, it just, it went from, actually we had people that could run every single backyard to all of a sudden you had multiple backyards going every week. Um, so we had a, we have a really, really broad bench. We have a lot of, sort of it, it's become the, a part of this community movement. It's, sort of, it's just really, really big, which is really uh, interesting. We probably have half of the backyards races in the world or something like that. It was, it's, wow. yeah, at some point it was just massively strange. Uh, mm -hmm. Now the rest of the world is also catching on, but but we could sort of lead that charge for a while, which was is interesting because we're not a particularly large country. At uh, nine or ten million people or so, it's not like, and we're fairly well spread out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Their their cities larger than us. Yeah, that's absolutely. So then, you guys got it going, and uh, so weather's a little bit, you know, of a challenge. Uh, when, when does the race, you know, I mean, it's different by country for sure, but sort of when does the race get going in your mind? Was it at, you know, 30 laps or 40? And then comment a little bit about, you know, thinking about local versus comparing out to the global and what was going on. Mm. So uh, I always mentally think of the backyard as it doesn't start until loop 24. Yep. Mm hmm but in this instance, that wasn't applicable because you know that we're running against all of these massive teams. You need to set that side further. So the question was sort of, is it, is it 30? Is it 36? Where, where should you sort of mentally start going? It's a race going. And one thing that made it mentally a bit harsh on us was that uh, the starting time panned out for, played out for us that we got four hours of sunlight the first day. <laughs> so we get, we get four loops in sunshine and then it's sort of pitch black. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so, so that's sort of, of course, well, you, uh, so the, the first night comes really early for us. Uh, but I think that everyone is sort of trying to run along, trying to figure that out. And the race director, Janus Svadhage, and his son, Axel, they did a marvelous job of sort of both communicating out what we were doing. So we got a really big following in Sweden, but they also sort of brought in sort of what's happening in the world. So we were getting these continuous updates of sort of, these are the people dropping off and this is how far we're behind and sort of, this is what's happening everywhere else. So we always had these small tidbits every, every time we came in, uh, which of course made everyone try to get that one more loop because everyone wanted the, the team competition and everyone sort of had that as a, if I can just manage one more loop, that's one more loop for the team. That's one more yard for us. That might be the thing that does it, which made a lot of people, I think that more than half of our starting field managed to personal bests in, in the backyard, although we had conditions that were significantly worse than 
when they probably made those records in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, mentally, the race actually started at our 37, 38, something like that. That's when it got really real. And the reason that that happened at that point to me was that we had a fantastic team. And I, mentally, I, I had three or four runners pinned for sort of these people will be, uh, be the base we have at 48 hours. So this is where we'll be shooting from as a team. Um, and w- one of us will be sort of carrying, w- or one of us will be carried essentially, uh, depending on who makes it over there. And we should have a good amount of runners go- going up to 36. But at 37 um, and 38, our th- number f- uh, three and four dropped off. And-, and those were both runners I thought would be with us past 40, and one of them should have been with us past 48. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden, we, we sort of, me and Anna, we're standing there for loop 38. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, now we're fragile. Now, now, now this yeah. is a race. Because if one of us mess up, if, if one mistake, then we don't have a team anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and that's when I mentally had to really switch gears and go, okay, so this isn't, this isn't particularly fun anymore. Now it's a race. But the race is... How do we figure out how to get as far uh, as possible having only two people on the course? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that. so interesting. The pressure, right? You got the pressure of the, the running that's on you. And then the, this, in, in, when you're in Tennessee, you see everyone. And here, you don't. And mm-hmm. you know, there is that. That was an interesting dynamic watching it remotely was who is at nighttime and who is in the daytime? Because it was global. You know, you had... Japan, you had Australia, New Zealand, you had Sweden, we had you know, France, the US, Canada, across the board. So it was like everyone was in a different mode. And so that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, we have had Anna on our on our broadcast as well. And she was great in, you know, in Bigs last year and as well, just an amazing ultra runner. So now it's down to the two of you. And uh, you got a lot of work ahead of you. Um, did you have an expectation when you started for how many? yards or laps you would run i i really didn't set a goal um but but of course you think about these things and sort of yes we had our work cut out for us because uh, as you were saying when, when we were at that point there were 60 runners left in the world five of them in the u.s something like that so we knew that sort of all the other teams are sort of they're at an advantage uh, and i went into this uh thinking that well 43 from bigs last year I, that, I should be able to beat that. 48, that should be sort of where things get interesting. So, that, that, so mentally, that was sort of the, where I wanted to arrive. That, that would sort of make it, uh, uh, if, if I make it to 49 yards, then I have a personal distance best. Um, and I thought that that should be within reach. That, that shouldn't sort of, that, that should totally be possible. Uh, Anna had her personal best at 30, closer to 40. Uh, So Mm. we were both sort of fairly early, relatively speaking, starting to push sort of uh, unknown territory for us, both in terms of time on our feet or sort of total distance ran or or most yards in a race. Uh, But for 48 was... Uh, a number that we really wanted to hit. Uh, and I think that both of us had the sights on uh, getting into position where we could at least go up to 50. Hopefully, we, we started so going, nurturing the dream of, well, getting 60 uh, on, in Sweden, that would be really cool. So that was sort of this mm-hmm. thing we started talking about that sort of, that would be really cool. And then let's stop talking about that because we need to just figure out how to make one more loop. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and when, when you break that down into yards as well, too, we're also breaking that down into, okay, you know, the sunlight is coming up in, in two hours. Um, we got to get to the sun, you know, to the sun or, or we're even breaking it up like on your course. Uh, like I know you and I talked in length in, in Tennessee about how we would break it up. We would get to this certain hill and then we'd go to the green balls hill and then split tree and all those things. Did you have those same things on the course where you're like, okay, I know I have, you know, 1.2 kilometers until I get to the to the turnaround point or the the creek crossing. Uh, did you did you break up the course as well too? 
Yeah, and that's what that's usually what I spend the first few yards doing. It is sort of anytime on a new course, and even if I know the course, I spend a few yard, first yards just figuring out sort of what are these checkpoints because I want to establish a rhythm very early and then just stick to it as long mm-hmm. as it, that's working. Don't mess with it. So. And that's also one of the reasons me and Anna, although we're having, she's slightly faster, but we sort of, we're fairly close always. But I had sort of my places where sort of, this is where I walk, this is where I eat, this is where I sort of do these different things. Uh, That was my rhythm and hers is slightly different. So, Mm -hmm. and that's how I break it down. The thing is that with any race like this, that sort of, even, even at a hundred miles, if you start thinking about the end, at the start of it, you're like, that's insane. This, this, you just become overwhelmed and just breaking it down to sort of, well, it's this loop. And then sort of knowing, well, in five loops, we're sort of hitting this milestone and sort of in two loops, I have this PR and sort of, uh, I think that's very useful. The sort of create smaller and smaller sort of, and, and we had that sort of in the, in the 40s. We had sort of, oh, uh, personal best, these many miles, personal best, 200 miles, uh, personal best. So you can sort of, you have, always have some achievement just ahead of you. And sort of, it's close enough that you can grab it. And, and sort of uh, sunrise is one of those that sort of just uh, counting down the laps until you get to the sun mm-hmm. is, of course, one of these huge motivators. Because especially when you're starting to get tired, you sort of know, if I just make it two more, two more loops, then sun. And you know that when the sun comes, then you'll get energy, you'll get, it, it becomes so much easier. It's easier to run the course mm-hmm. mentally. Everything just tends to clear up. You just sort of need to have that. Uh, but yeah, I, I split the down, course down in sub kilometer bits uh, and then sort of have my things sort of, I have my tempo, I have my walking spots. I sort of, you have these sort of, oh, here, here, here's a few um, rocks that I should probably walk over, stuff like that. Yeah, so for the, for the listeners, you know, when you get to 50, you're at 208 miles. Uh, so we talked 50 doesn't sound as much as uh, 208 miles. So now you're, you're, Toby, you're sort of like in new uncharted territory, both you and Anna. Um, you have a bit of, you know, uh, fatigue building up, you know, getting tired. You know, it's, no one would say it's easy at this point, right? There's no easy moment after 200 miles. Uh, and you're now trying to figure out how far do you guys go, right? I mean, it's, it's sort of a bit unknown, right? You're like, we won't know until we find out. I think, you know, in our warm-up a little bit, we found out a little bit about what happened. And so maybe take us through the laps leading up to, you know, when your assist dropped and, you know, how, how was it going? You know, do you feel like, oh, we're good and, or we're falling apart or, you know, what was yeah. going on in your mind? If you look at the, once we pass uh, 200 miles and sort of 50 yards, um, both of us were running strong. And we have one of these sort of uh, nice little anecdotes where we're, sort of, we're both running in the woods. And Anna goes, you know, it's okay if you stop running now. <laughs> I'm sort of, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, and I'm like, uh, yeah, same. Uh, but we both know that we're both there to run until we can't run anymore. So we sort of, yeah, you can stop if you want, but you won't be wanting that. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, we, we, we sort of just uh, mutually resign ourselves to our fate that we'll need to mm-hmm. run until the other, other dummy gives up. Uh, yeah. and, and that dummy won't be giving up. That dummy will be breaking down mm. because that's what we're there to do. We're sort of, we're both there to sort of run every every yard we can for mm-hmm. the team, for the people watching to know where the boundary goes. That, that sort of, that's where we're at. And, and I was struggling uh, fairly massively uh, around loop 50. I was starting to get uh, quite severe knee pain and I had some problems with, I, I was running low on energy. So it was one of the really low spots of my race. I, I was far, far, far down in the proverbial basement. Everything was dark. Everything was hurting. Um, muscles were failing front, right, and center. I sort of, it sort of, my knee sort of starting to act up. I got sort of that one taped up and sort of, and, and the next lap I used, to, I used to go out and sort of, hmm, 
my ties are sort of giving up. I can't sort of, I can't get him to do things. And then sort of, oh, okay, well, what, what else can you use to move? Well, hmm, your butt is a good running muscle. And that one starts sort of, yes, nope, I'm not doing stuff. And you're like, okay, well, I got calves. <laughs> no, 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 we're not pushing. Uh, so everything was sort of going south for me. It was, yeah, okay. So I was just mentally getting prepared for this. This will be this horrendously painful, slow decline. And sort of you just see the lap time starting to creep up. And I come in and my wonderful, wonderful crew, they sort of just rally around and sort of going, okay, so what's happening? We need to figure this out. And they're like, well, the, the solution to almost anything in an ultra is get more energy into the system. <laughs> and sort of, because either you can fix it with energy or it's probably not fixable. It's sort of, if, if, and then that's all. It's just start, um, go higher and higher and higher on that. So I almost doubled my carb intake uh, and so, of course, then you run the risk of blowing out your stomach instead, mm -hmm. except, well, if that happens, well, that's going to be a showstopper, except if I, don't, can't, if I can't get any energy in, that's all, also going to kill me uh, or sort of at least make me stop because you, you need fuel. It's sort of, it's an easy equation. Uh, so you go really high on energy and, and I sort of start climbing up from that hole. It's sort of, we're slowly fixing it. So in the span of... Uh, three or four loops, I go from going, I can't move to, heck, everything hurts. It, it's, it's, sort of, it's not getting any more comfortable, <laughs> mm -hmm. but pain, I can run with pain. I can, I, a pain that isn't trauma, pain that isn't sort of this going to sort of uh, break something and I won't be able to run anymore. That's okay. As long as it's just painful, it doesn't really matter. That sort of, yes, it hurts it, and it hurts. So you sort of, you have tears running. But you, you, you can get used to that. As long as your body keeps responding to energy, you can keep pushing. And, and that's essentially what I did. And it started to lift. So that's uh, what's starting to happen. And then at loop 54, we're both running strong. Uh, and it's moving fine. I'm, I'm starting to find my step again. Um, and my mind is just getting clearer and clearer. So when we head out on 55, um, I'm 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 dead set on sort of, well, we'll run to to sunshine comes again, and that would be uh, six or seven more hours. But I'm like, well, we're we're at 55, we'll make it to 62, and then sunshine comes, and then heck, who knows? <laughs> because she's not giving up, <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm not giving up. So this is what's going to happen. Uh, we start that loop. And uh, uh, fairly abruptly, Anna ran into energy problems. Uh, she had been having sort of, she's been struggling for a few hours, uh, which I didn't actually know because she managed to mask that superbly well. I was sort of doing my thing when I came in uh, with my crew and, and she sort of, uh, she had moved to another location. So I, I wasn't actually aware that uh, she was having these problems. I just saw her moving magnificently and went, well, this is sort of the race sort of the placement is already decided. Anna is going to win and I'll be the assist. My job today is to be Will. <laughs> mm. I'll just sort of, I'll be the one carrying this so she can get all the loops she can get. That, that's what, uh, that was where I was mentally. And that's mm -hmm. fine. I'll, I'm fine with that because that would give us a marvelous result and it would give us sort of a good placement. Now I get to go as far as I can. But all of a sudden, uh, she's always running ahead of me. And all of a sudden, she's behind me. And I'm like, well, you'll, you'll catch up. <laughs> that's, uh, and that's what I keep thinking. And she just keeps sort of not showing up. Mm -hmm. So we reached a halfway point on that loop. And two of the other teammates uh, are standing in the woods. <laughs> Essentially, they, they need a net to catch me because... Uh, well, I, I'm sort of running, just looking for her headlamp. And, and they're like, and I ain't coming. It's, it's over. And, and then that's sort of where, uh, and, and it was, to me, it was really strangely emotional in a way that since I was so dead set on us continuing for so long, uh, it, it just stopped so abruptly. Hmm. And I think that's that's one of the things that I'm still trying to sort of, the worst thing you can do is to win a backyard. 
yeah. <laughs> but because you don't, you don't get to know where your limits are at. And if you're just slowly, as I was at one point, if you're slowly spiraling out of control, you sort of, you can see it coming. You can mentally prepare for sort of the landing. Mm -hmm. But when something like this happens, uh, when sort of you're, when the person you think is going to win becomes your assist and it becomes it sort of at, uh, really abruptly, it's just mm -hmm. all sort of torn from you and you're like, what, what's even happening, sort of, just trying to sort all of that out. It, it's still something that I'm fairly much, uh, pretty much in a process of doing. Well, and that's, and that's interesting, Toby. It's, um, I, I, I love your, your, your comment, you know, the worst thing to do is to, to win a backyard. Because, you know, and, and if I could just maybe put words in your mouth and, and tell me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, you, yeah, you didn't, you didn't find your limit. Like you could have run more. Um, you don't know how much more you could have run, but it might have only been a, an extra half of another lap, but, 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 but you didn't find your limit. Yeah. Um, the people that you needed and that you form an incredible friendship and, and a love for uh, with have failed around you. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I know with backyards with me before, I want everybody you know, to go away. So then the last one, but I, in the end, when they go away, I don't want them to go. <laughs> it's really, it's a really strange feeling, isn't it? And so it's a, it's a very, it's a very odd um, predicament that you're kind of put into. Maybe talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. And I think that's everything you say is, it rings so very, very true. And it's when I ran um, another one of my backyards, um, that one ended at 39 and then at sort of loop 37 or something, I get into, um, I, I sort of, I end that loop and, and they sort of, they, the crew started asking me sort of, well, Toby, is there anything you need? And what sort of the thing I say, the thing I need is sort of, well, I need, I need a mead that I'm running with. I need him to get in hmm. because I, because that's hmm. what I need because I don't want the adventure to stop. And, and that's sort of the same thing in this, that sort of, you want, uh, in this particular instance, you wanted everyone to go as far as they could. And the team put up an, a tremendous effort to help everyone sort of reach your goals mm -hmm. and, and, and transcend them. Uh, and of course, as you say, what, what happens is when, when it sort of all ends and you're standing there, you sort of, yes, I, I, I don't know, did I have one more loop? Did I have until sunrise? Did I have 72 hours? I have no idea. Yeah. Because I didn't get to try that. Uh, and winning the backyard sort of over time, the more time you invest in the race, the more committed you become to sort of just one more loop. The, the, the more important it becomes because it's sort of, you have this massive thing already. If you've spent 54 hours building this thing, mm -hmm. all of these bonds, all of these experiences, all of these emotions, become, because you get so extremely raw, mm. sort of all your shields just melt away. All your feelings are already sort of on your skin in a, mm -hmm. in a sense. Uh, everything becomes very, very direct. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, all of that magic, all of that sort of that complete bubble just bursts. And, and you're left standing there with a lot of questions. The question of sort of how far could this have gone? And, and, and sort of it's, it's all taken away from you. And, and sort of in return, you sort of you get a medal. You're <laughs> like, yeah, it's got to be nice in my bookshelf. But what about the journey? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I, I think that it's, uh, I, I tend to say that to people that are considering uh, running a backyard that, yeah, the backyard is a wonderful, wonderful race unless you win it. Because when you win it, you sort of, you're the last one in. Everyone has already gone home. Uh, the race directors, they just also just want to go home. There's no one there sharing because everyone has gone to sleep. Uh, and you're left with all the questions and none of the answers. Um, hmm. That said, of course, uh, it's always special to sort of realize or sort of be forced to realize that I, I, I could actually do this. I, I only, I, I 
briefly, briefly consider the sort of the possibility that I would win the race. But I, sort of, I, I had so quickly just put that away because it was, sort of, no, that's, that's not going to happen. And all of a sudden, you're also sort of needing to come to terms with, why didn't I believe in myself? Mm. Why, why did I let sort of, well, why did I do that? It sort of, I, I ran perfectly well, not either way, but would it have been sort of beneficial? And sort of, I was surprised to win. And I've been surprised every time I've won one of these things because I'm not a person that wins things. Uh, the calculus of a race with no end is hard to figure because there's no way to calculate like and say, okay, all I need to do is this. And so the mind can't contemplate the win as easily because there's no way of knowing what that end is. And so it is a little bit like the, you know, the journey of life. There, there is always more out there and that we define sort of endpoints along our journey to satisfy that sort of innate need to define progress. And then we mark it. We mark it in school. We mark it in work. We mark it in life and, and in, in events. And, and all of that is very satisfying to be able to put it into this container that we then can satisfy that sort of you know, innate need to understand progress in our own lives. And, and this is different than that. So I don't think any of the, the best can forecast the win you know, no matter how good they were, because that end isn't what, like, I don't have to dash to meet you, beat you to the finish line, right? You know, it's like, that's not happening. And so it is, it is amazing curiosity. We, we had Laz on uh, a number of episodes ago, and we, we called him the diabolical hillbilly from Tennessee. And in fact, you know, this format is diabolical in its, in its nature and its essence. And that's what the attraction is. You know, when we can put everything in, in easy to understand terms, we don't get the same return as you would from something as, as bold as a backyard race and, and what you were able to accomplish. So, um, mm -hmm. I think and I think there's a critical point to that, that, that we're, sort of, we're almost sort of saying it, but we're not really saying it. And with regards to the backyard, we have this, our intuition critically fails us. I think that, that that's the interesting thing that we can't forecast how far, far we're going to go, but also what most people, even the top performers, what they don't know is how it's going to end because it mm -hmm. never ends the way you think it's going to end because you're trying mm -hmm. to project from some other experience. Mm -hmm. And that's also how we sort of judge who's doing well or not. We're looking at sort of, ah, that's a strong runner. They're fast. They're going to last long. And I think that last is really good at sort of going, well, you don't need to be a particularly fast runner. I, tend, I believe in order to really go far in the backyard, you, need, you don't need to be the fastest runner, but you need to be a strong runner because you need to have the durability. You need to have something that gives you margins to solve problems. And being faster helps with that. Mm -hmm. It's a part of the equation. It's not a whole equation, but we, we all have these sort of wrong ideas about what is going to limit us. And if you look at all the drops, if we were to sort of look at every single drop, almost none of them would be sort of, well, my legs couldn't run any further. It, there's a lot of sort of this small niggle there or sort of stomach problems here or sort of bad planning with fueling over here or sort of, I didn't start napping at hour four, I waited until hour 34. And mm -hmm. all of these small things starts building up and those aren't part of the equation. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's yeah. sort of, that, that's so critical sort of, we measure progress or sort of, we think about progress, we think about doing well in these races in a race, in a way that is probably slightly off. And, and I think that's what gives us these really spectacular sort of interesting wins and why we sort of tend to get slightly surprised of who actually ends up on the podium. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it really, absolutely how far they can go. And I think that's what's fascinating about uh, backyard style racing for the average population as they look at it and they go, how on earth are you still running 76 hours after you started? How, how, how you know, how did uh, Corral do that um, in Belgium? That's absolutely astounding or, or Courtney or yourself. Um, 
But it's, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think a lot of it is that management piece, um, mental management, you know, in Canada, I was at the race here in Canada and, you know, time and time again, we saw runners um, that were great. They looked great all day and they would even come in and do their fastest lap. And then they just wouldn't show up at the next the start line and say, well, I'm, I'm done. I, I've, I've given up. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, other ones that would, you know, not manage their, their bodies or their, or, 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 or um, their sleep or their fueling well. Other ones that made mistakes. I made terrible mistakes on the course. I only lasted 24 hours. And, uh, and it ended poorly, insanely poorly, um, you know, epically. And you know, if you guys don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you my, my experience. I, I made a terrible mistake eight hours in. And I became a goofball, uh, much like uh, Anna is. And, you know, I was noticing eight hours in that, that the Canadian team, I kind of took on a bit of a leadership role with the, the team. We, we assembled the team and, and, you know, and it really worked because we ended up getting third place globally. And it was because like we had a 64 year old on the team who ran 31 hours. Um, we had everyone that did about four or five hours further than what they thought they could. And so um, our first runner dropped at 23 hours, which is really, really good. Uh, I was the second runner in Canada that dropped at 24 hours. And, um, you know, I noticed right around eight hours in that the team was kind of like you, eight hours in, you start realizing, oh, okay, this is hard. Like, you know, th this is going to be a long day and a next day. And I started noticing the energy started dropping. And so we started playing more music. We started, you know, doing all those things. But I, in my bag, I brought a tiny little Canadian flag Speedo. It just, it was small. It was so small. It was so, so, so tiny. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to put that on. I'm going to run a lap in this tiny little Speedo. And, and we're going to play the Canadian national anthem at the start line. And I did that and it brought up everybody's energy. Everybody was just like, you know, it, it was fantastic. It was funny. I was going around and giving all the guys hugs. They did not want to hug me. And uh, we went out onto the course and I froze my ass off out, out there on the course. And ever since then, I couldn't, I had this deep chill that I just couldn't get rid of. And it was like bundling up on the course, off the course, trying to, but you know, that was the beginning of my hypothermia. And the last six hours of the course, so 18 to, to 24 hours, was harder than, you know, the 46 hours through 50 hours last year at Biggs. Um, I suffered the most I've ever suffered on a course. And it was because I did something stupid and I didn't take backyard seriously enough. Um, so, you know, that was one of the things that I noticed about you, Toby, is that you take this seriously. Like every time you come in off the course, you eat, you drink, you, you, you layer properly, you do those things accordingly because you, you have reverence for the sport. And I got cocky and I was like, oh, no, I'll just run a loop in a tiny little number. And it caught up to me. And so I, I think that's a lesson for everybody is, you know, yeah, you, you think you got it. You think you can, you can, you can outsmart yourself for, for an hour. It's going to come crumbling down. So don't, don't, don't do that. Good advice. I'm, well, I'm sure that many of our uh, listeners won't try that, especially knowing that. But I think that that's, you know, you started with a good purpose. You were mm -hmm. looking to help your teammates and mm -hmm. you did. And often, you know, this, this race is about sort of helping others while we're trying to hold it together ourselves. And that's a fine line. It's just a fine line no matter what. I mean, look, I'm sure that Anna didn't want to drop, you know, her system turned off and she did. And Toby, you know, could have gone farther. It, it is the intrigue and the dynamic here that you are both dependent on and competing with the people you're out there running with. So yeah, that's fine. You know, good thing Dave has got quite a few years ahead of you to go. <laughs> play in this sandbox again and again. Uh, it, Toby, just maybe one on the practical stuff before we wrap up a little bit, because I, I do think there's a curiosity on part of uh, the listeners. Um, so we do a loop and you get in and you have anywhere from, I guess the most you might have is 28 minutes to a minute, right? There's some 
you know, flex there, depending on how fast you ran. Just tell the, the listeners a little bit like the eating, the napping, changing clothes, any of that. Is there, is there a rhythm? Like how do you play that whole part out, the, the non-running part? The non-running part, yeah. So uh, I tend to spend the last five minutes on, on every loop uh, planning what what is supposed to happen when, when once I reach uh, the career area, uh, because what what I'm gonna eat if I didn't need to change anything, sort of I want that planned out and I want to sort of walk in to sort of have be in the best position for my body to sort of actually um, take in the energy I'm I'm gonna give it. And I tend to come in some having somewhere between ten and fifteen minutes uh, to spare. And that's also a function of what do I need to do. If I don't have anything in particular to do, I can go with less time. Um, if I'm getting drowsy and sort of want to actually get a few extra precious minutes of sleep, then actually running a slightly faster lab in order to sort of bank up on that is a thing I tend to do. Also, if you're getting drowsy, just sort of running slightly faster in order to sort of get energy into your system is a really great way to wake up. Uh, otherwise, sort of going slightly slower. But and I tend to do the same thing, um, almost every loop. Uh, and so I tend to say one of these things that you all learn very early on in ultra is that everyone have a, has a stomach, and everyone's stomach has a personality. <laughs> and my stomach has the personality of if you chew something, I'm gonna get mad at you. <clears throat> so I run mostly on liquids. Uh, so it's, it's sports drink and it's gels essentially. And occasionally something, I uh, sort of, I risk it, but, but it, that's essentially it. So essentially every loop is get in, drink something, sort of, uh, take one or two gels, sort of, I, I had two flavors to pick from. So I, I had a big choice every lap. So, so let me get this straight. You only had two different flavors of gels. Yes, but I also did have two different flavors of sports drink. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Why uh, you are, huh? Oh, uh, but so, so I, I tried to sort of just stick to the same routine. Of course, I, I had some extra other things, but that's sort of, that's the base of my energy plan. And uh, there was uh, some parts provided by the organizers too, so I can sort of switch that in. But, but essentially the plan is get in, uh, have a gel or sort of have some sports drinks, take something for the road and then nap. And I started with that early and I tried to stick with it. That, that's, that's the base plan. And then you need to sort of, if something happens, you adjust it uh, and you sort of you adjust uh, the hardness of the sports drink. But that, that's sort of, I, I try to make it as simple as possible. That, that's sort of how I optimize my races is what can I take away? And it's the same thing with sort of changing clothes and changing shoes and all of these things that I come prepared. I, I sort of, uh, and I wound up switching shoes, for example, in this race, but I come prepared, uh, of course, to sort of do all of those things. But I tend to, unless I really, really have to, I postpone it as far as possible. Sort of running two days in the same shirt, it's okay. Mm. Sort of, it, yeah, you're, yeah. you're not going to be sort of, it, it's a bit of a luxury to sort of switch shirts, yep. but you, and sort of, if you need that for an energy boost, okay, do it. But I try, I tend to postpone it and sort of, it's the same thing, sort of switching shoes or switching socks. It's one of those, you could do that, but think about, do you really have to? Because doing it also invites failure. Sort of, if you take your, take your socks off, you put new socks on, that's one more sort of risk moment where you can sort of go, you can mess something up. You can start getting chafing. You can sort of get blisters. You can, you can puncture a blister that you have. It's not going to get pretty. Of course, if you need to get them off in order to actually take care of blisters, you need to do it. But sort of it's, it's one of these, do it if you must. Uh, otherwise, uh, don't. That's how I sort of try to play the game. Because to me, the backyard is, it's a game. It's not a game of doing things right. It's a game of not making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no truer words have ever been spoken. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so Toby, you know, with the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, what Joe and I like to do is, is to end our, 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 our interviews by, by asking a really simple question. And I'm really interested to, to hear your answer because of your trajectory is, is 
is you're aiming really high in my in my experience in my thoughts um you're going places that uh i'm really excited to see you accomplish in the next many years what's what what is what does the future hold for for you toby so what i'm setting my sights on is i want to run really really far in 24 hours uh, as a first step because i really sort of I, I, i'm not big on having dreams but one dream that has sort of come and went and come again and, and that i think that i'm ready to go for is i want to make the national team in 24 hours i want to represent my country i really 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 want to do that um so that's going to be my my focus uh, in in the coming year or years um it's a bit of a, a bad timing because as, as happy as I am for Sweden as a nation that we're getting a lot of really, really good performances in the 24 hour races, it makes my job way, way harder. Hmm. Uh, but that, that's, uh, that's my next big thing. Sort of that, that's what I'll be aiming for. And of course, um, along the way, I hope to actually get back to bigs and sort of settle the score with that bloody course. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, of course, something that's also big, yes, right now. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if everything goes according to plan with uh, vaccines and, and, you know, everything during this COVID time, you know, I, uh, I, like you, want to get back to bigs next year down in Tennessee. And I would like nothing more in the world than to share some extra yards with you, uh, catch up, talk all the philosophical uh, catch you know to start pick up on our conversation where we left off last year and uh you know toby this was an absolute pleasure uh we we me and joe loved having you on and uh you'll have to come back sometime and when you when you are the first person to run over 100 100 100 yards in yeah. a backyard style format uh we'll, we'll have you on again yeah toby <laughs> congratulations and uh, best of luck and we do appreciate uh, the time you spent with us today and we hope your recovery goes well and we'll see you out there uh running around the yard very time soon take care thank you so much guys and you know what dave i'm fairly certain that once we reach those that 100th yard then one of us will need to dash in order to be the first one to do it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, i would know. say so perfect we love that <laughs> Thanks again, Toby. Thanks, Toby. Hey, Dave, I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but wow, that was one heck of a podcast. I mean, Toby characterized for us what the journey is all about, why we're hooked by ultra running, and what we can all find out about ourselves and life more broadly. I especially like that he started out thinking a 10K was too far, and now he's running more than 200 miles. That's one heck of a stretch and a good perspective for all non-runners. You know, sometimes we can find out that things are good for us that we don't initially like. And of course, a big congratulations to Toby and all the other runners at Biggs. I think the race did exactly what it was intended to do this year, and we're all happy that you and Laz put it on. And there you have it. That's a wrap for this week. Episode 20 is in the books. Um, as always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Performance T. You can find them on www.performancetea.com. And they've given us a discount code for any of our listeners to get 20% off their purchase. Just use Chasing20 to get the discount. And if you do have a topic or a guest you'd like to see on the show, email us your ideas to info at chasingtomorrowpodcast.com. And always a huge thanks to our listeners for coming with us on this journey and chasing tomorrow with us. Thanks very much.